NPR. This is the Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Darian Woods. I'm Adrian Ma. And today we are joined by our colleague from Planet Money, Nick Fountain. Here I am. I am so excited to be here. Let's indicate. Today in the show, what we have got for you is a um, delicacy, if you will. One worrying indicator sandwiched between two delicious optimistic indicators. We'll talk about a new report showing Germany's surprising economic resilience. We'll also talk about the debt ceiling showdown and also worker job satisfaction. All that is going to be after this break. Support for NPR and the following message come from State Farm. As a State Farm agent and agency owner, Lakeisha Gaines is passionate about empowering other small businesses. In the last several years, there are more business owners than we can count. Businesses are opening up quite frequently. And I think that shows the need, the dreams, and the desires of the community to have the independence and to have the financial freedom that's important to them. The reason why it's so important to me to be out there to share information and to educate the community is because I know that a dream doesn't always help you to be successful. You need the competency, you need the wisdom, you need the knowledge. That's where we come in as State Farm agents, our ability to be able to teach over 100 years of experience in this world to say, hey, we got you. You got this and we got this. Let's do it together. Talk to your local agent about small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, it's Indicators of the Week. Darian, why don't you go first? My indicator is zero, which is roughly the amount the German economy grew over the last year. That's after accounting for inflation. And while not growing is usually bad news, this is actually pretty good news. But that's the smallest number. Come on. I'll explain. So if you remember a year ago, all eyes were on Germany about what it would do considering its economy used so much natural gas from Russia. And after the invasion of Ukraine, there were predictions of economic Armageddon if Russian gas stopped flowing. Politicians and business groups were saying hundreds of thousands of Germans might lose their jobs. If I'm remembering right, the gas did stop flowing through that pipeline last year. Yeah, so by September, gas imports from Russia had dropped from over half of all its gas imports to none. And so that was scary. But at the time, we on The Indicator spoke to an economist, Benjamin Moll. He was much less worried. He predicted that the economy would adjust. German farmers, for example, might buy fertilizer made outside of the country instead of the domestic stuff that used natural gas. Also, some people would substitute from gas to heat their homes to using heat pumps. Everyone who's anybody is getting an electric heat pump right now. They're basically these magical little machines that cool your home in the summer and heat it in the winter. They're awesome. Yeah, that, that's the idea. And last year, I spoke to Lucas Kotian. He's a vice president of a heating company called Thermondo. And Lucas has been on the vanguard of helping German homes adjust to this new future without Russian gas. His company was installing heat pump after heat pump in German homes. For me, it was really very rewarding to work on that because um, there was a feeling of spending the time wisely and uh, to bring that solution even even faster to the market to help people to get away from, from Russian gas. 
Nearly a quarter of a million heat pumps were sold in Germany last year. Homeowners were also getting subsidies from the German government, and that helped too. And The Economist Benjamin Moll, along with his co-authors, released this paper this week that showed that while the gas shutoff has definitely been a headwind for the German economy, it wasn't this huge disaster, and that the economy is often more adaptable than we give it credit for. Also pretty rad that they're installing so many electric heat pumps because those are much more environmentally friendly ways to heat our houses than the traditional methods. That's absolutely true. So after this good news story, I think it's time for some sobering facts. Uh, And I think that's why we brought you here from Planet Money, uh, Nick. Let's hear it. It's a little bit of a downer. It's about a date, the date on which the U.S. could run out of money to pay its obligations. That's if Congress doesn't raise or suspend the debt ceiling. Here it is. You ready for the date? According to the latest projection from a think tank called the Bipartisan Policy Center, you guys got a tongue drum roll for me? The U.S. could default on its obligations starting as early as early June. But, and this is a big but, that is not for sure. We could hold on. We could keep paying our bills maybe as late as early August. So why is there such variation? Right. So... The revenues and expenses of the U.S. government vary a lot day by day. So, for example, the most important day for revenues is around tax day, usually around April 15th. But a lot of people, self-employed people, small business owners, pay their taxes quarterly. One of those quarterly tax deadlines is June 15th. And so if Treasury doesn't run out of money before June 15th, we'll likely be able to hold on until June 30th when a bunch of extra money becomes available through more of those so-called extraordinary measures, basically accounting gimmicks, and those will take us through early July or even later. It's like a giant Excel spreadsheet that says a lot of if-then statements. (laughs) Yes, it is absolutely like that. If we can make it to June 15th, then we might be able to make it to June 30th. If we make it to June 30th, then we might be able to make it through to August. It's super stressful, right? The fate of the global economy hangs in the balance. And I should say the bond market seems to be pricing in a bit of risk in early June. The government sells four-week treasuries, and late last week and this week, they had to offer really high interest rates on them to get people interested. Though experts I talked to said it's unlikely that Treasury would actually default on those bonds. They say the Treasury would likely not pay all its other bills, payments for missiles and salaries for astronauts, before they default on their debt. Hmm. Bad news for astronauts. Thanks, Nick. I want to point out that mine was not entirely gloomy. Like, there is a bit of optimism in there, and that's like, if you make it to June, if you make it to the Ides of June, (laughs) there'll be less gloom. Remember that. And you put it in the form of a rhyme, which I think makes it a little less gloomy, too. All right, enough about sad stuff. Adrian, what do you got? Okay, so the final piece of this indicator sandwich, uh, my indicator, 62.3%. That is the percentage of workers who say they are satisfied with their jobs. Guys, are you satisfied with your jobs? Totally. Yes. So you are like 62% of the people who responded to this survey from the conference board. They've been doing this worker satisfaction survey since 1987, every year. And believe it or not, 62.3%, that is the highest satisfaction rate they have clocked since they began doing this survey. Really? I wouldn't have expected that, actually. And what is driving this increase in satisfaction? Well, the survey asked people about various aspects of their job, right? Everything from pay to their commutes to the perks they get. And while 
increases in pay were definitely one of the reasons people were more satisfied with their job. One of the biggest drivers people cited was having better work-life balance. I imagine a big part of this is the rise of remote work. Yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of people are not commuting all the time like they used to and they can like, you know, sleep in. I know that that is what I've been doing. (laughs) And and it actually comes to think about it, you know, the unemployment rate is super, super low at the moment. We have this pretty hot job market. I mean, who knows what the future holds. But for now, I imagine this is giving workers more options and they're happier. Yeah, totally. Like, workers over the past year have been feeling more empowered to, like, you know, see something good and say, like, forget this, quit their job and and take the better thing. And what this survey makes clear is that the job satisfaction from things like work-life balance, they're not evenly distributed. Uh, In the survey, remote workers overall were more satisfied with their jobs than people who said they have to work on site. And... Interestingly, people who said that they had the ability to work a hybrid job, you know, sometimes in the office, sometimes at home, they were the most satisfied of all. Yeah, they get a little bit of socialization. How else will we know how to feel about the weather today? (laughs) (laughs) And in the survey, another interesting thing is there is also a a satisfaction gap when it comes to men and women uh, who are surveyed. So across all the categories that they were asked about, from benefits to promotions to job security... Women said they were significantly less satisfied with these various aspects of the job than men. Okay, so not just the pay gap, but also the job satisfaction gap. One thing worth noting about this whole thing, this survey was released this week, but it was actually conducted in November. And since some things have changed, and one of the most notable would be that this possibility of recession that people have been chattering about has only sort of ratcheted up a bit since then. And if we do end up hitting a recession, that would put a damper on this incredibly hot jobs market, which would mean people wouldn't be able to as, you know, boldly quit their jobs in search of the next better thing. We'll enjoy it while we can. (laughs) Quit while you're ahead. Good advice. I mean, something to think about, right? Is our boss going to listen to this? (laughs) Yes. This episode was produced by Corey Bridges with engineering from Robert Rodriguez. Teal Juarez checked the facts. Viet Le is our senior producer. Kate Cannon edits the show. And The Indicator is a production of NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com slash NPR. What does it mean to be black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as Black experiences, you'll hear, it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.